Hello everyone, welcome to Intimate Animation, brought to you by the online animation magazine Squiggly.com. This series covers animation that takes on adult themes of love, relationships, and sex. So steal yourself as there's some frank discussion ahead. So hello once more, welcome to episode 3 of Intimate Animation. I'm Ben Mitchell, and I'm joined by Squiggly Features writer Laura Beth Cowley. Hello! So we just came back from the Encounters Festival. I say came back from, it's like down the street from us. But it was a long week of quite heavy-duty podcasting. After a sort of glut of Encounters filmmaker Q&A sessions, I thought I'd do something a little different with this episode of Intimate Animation with an Encounters Q&A session. And this episode, we meet... Veronica El Montano and Manuela Leuenberger, who had a film in the Late Lounge, which is one of our favourite encounter screenings, I think. It's sort of a, a favourite encounter's tradition, I would say. Yeah, Late Lounge is one of the best screenings because you're going to get a mixture of everything. Because we're always so focused in on the animation side of things, we don't tend to get to see any of the live action stuff. So it's quite nice to be able to see that interspliced with animation and just see how it, see how animation holds up to live action. And normally the selection holds up pretty pretty well. I think they make pretty good bedfellows, especially when the theme is like dark and quirky and grotesque or sometimes a little bit saucy. So Ivan's Need probably went down the best out of all of the late lounge animations, or at least one of them, and probably one of the best films in the lot as well. It spoke yeah. to us yeah. when we first saw it and, uh, and has done ever since. Uh, I actually caught it for the first time at Click, and we talked to... Well, we didn't actually talk to uh, Veronica and Manuela at the time. It was Hans Volter, I think, was his name? That may be a diehard villain? I'm not sure. Yeah, that sounds... But uh, he, some guy <laughs> was doing <laughs> the... dude with a face. Was doing the filmmaker Q&As at Click back in October. And I believe his name was Hans. It was a nice batch of sessions, very similar to what we did this week with Encounters. And one of them actually was uh, Frederick Siegel, who came from the same university, Lucerne, as Veronica and Manuela. He made the film Ruben Leaves. And uh, so he was in both sets of Minnesota, the Encounters ones and the Click ones, talking about his film. Mm-hmm. And it's a very good film uh, and uh, worth checking out. But he actually did have a, a part to play in this film, Ivan's Need, which we're talking about today. He did the voices or rather the the voice. It's a series of kind of pre-adolescent, lustful grunts, really, isn't it? Yeah, it makes him really adorable, though. <laughs> I don't know why, but he's just really not the guy. The guy's fine, but the character is cute. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the sort of strange thing about the film, is that it's about... It's all sorts of things. It's about a young man who um, is introduced to the concept of breasts and just can't get it out of his head. And the fact that he works at a bakery where he spends his entire day kneading dough doesn't help matters. He's sort of constantly in his own sort of thoughts, in his own head. This bakery delivers the bread to a woman who, much like Rapunzel, I suppose... um, (laughs) Exactly like Rapunzel. Well, it's pretty similar. I think that's uh, there's got to be the references. Basically, she unfurls these sort of rope ladder-length breasts (laughs) out of her window that, that they tie the bread parcels to, and she then hoists them up into her apartment i guess it's it's kind of a vague sort of world that they live in very bright colors very psychedelic almost uh 2d animation yeah with real manic animation so like the character will completely break 
line quality and stuff whenever it's like angry or yeah that kind of very free form approach to 2d so a bit like cordell barker in some areas yeah. early cordell barker it's i like it a lot i like that style of animation like that energy i guess in animation no matter what medium absolutely i think it kind of suits the kind of frenetic mindset of the adorable little scamp <laughs> in his pursuit of the lady that he is besotted with as the film goes on, his like absent-mindedness as being you know, constantly in fantasy land causes a workplace mishap. And so his boss is incapacitated, and so he has to make the bread delivery himself to this mystery lady. very excited about. And then, you know, upon being welcomed into her boudoir, I guess... Into her. The film takes a bit of a turn, mm. and uh, a rather sweet turn at that. The kind of, like, the entire audience is like, what the sh** is going on? And then there's actually quite a, a sweet little payoff. So as mentioned before, uh, we did these podcast minisodes at the Click Festival. And Veronica and Manuela and Lucas Suter, who was also involved in the film, who wasn't in Bristol this week. But they talked a little bit about the film. And we kind of wanted to talk a bit more about it. Because it's a film that is sort of in both our hearts, I think, at this point. Like, we've, we've taken it to our bosoms, collectively. It is now one of my favorite films. Like, sex films. I think it's one of my favorite, like, love stories. This, to me, is what I consider sentimental. Aww. <laughs> uh, and that is sort of what this is about. This isn't just a sex podcast. It's about the deeper things. Love and relationships and mm. all of that. You know, sometimes, you know, as other films that we're going to talk about, we'll explore some of the, uh, the sadder sides of things, that sort of thing. There's a bit of a broad scope that I think um, Encounters covered quite well in its selection. Here and there. So you have more kind of factual documentary type approaches, like with Anna Ginsberg's film that we talked about in the last episode, Private Parts. Although slightly annoyingly, for some reason, her film was truncated. It all ended a bit prematurely. I'm not entirely sure why. No, I think there must have just been a video error. There is an ending to the film, and it kind of got lopped off, and that was a bit of a shame. Because the ending is quite sweet. As she talked about in the last episode, there are these characters in it who were, well, young men that she had found in real life. Their conversations are then set to animation and uh, there's this nice little kind of moment where they they seem a little bit like jack the lad kind of casually misogynistic and then the last sort of moment in that last scene it all kind of turns around and they're actually they're, there's a bit more to them i think than that initial sort of sound bite that you sort of are introduced to them as uh so you didn't actually get that in the version that they showed which is a shame the film is available online in full would you consider rakabushi's new film called love relevant to this podcast i think so i mean it's not a film about sexuality in any kind of literal human sense but i think in dealings with concepts of love and the uh, the ephemeral nature of things be it sort of life or love or all sorts of things I, I, it was an interesting film we talked a little bit about its interpretation in the minnesotes with its producer and he was saying you know he found it a very sad film and i had actually not found it that sad i'd found it quite heartening yeah i didn't i didn't get like because you told me the story that everyone afterwards said oh no i found it really sad i didn't get sadness from it i just it was just a kind of like it seemed like a bit of a circle of life type yeah, film I, I was literally and i think maybe it, it's down to the sort of open to interpretation nature of a lot of animation and i think when you're the type of filmmaker that reka bookshi is which is dealing with a lot of wonderfully rendered visual concepts that are kind of interconnected, but are not... Super surreal. Like, yeah. super, super surreal. You know, there will be a certain element that's open to interpretation. She may have very, very 
specifically wanted it to be a sad film and I've kind of not <laughs> gotten what it's she was going for, but other people absolutely like came away from it like thinking it was heartbreaking. I don't think, it, I don't think it's got sadness. It's got pathos. Like things yeah. die, kind of. And yeah, it's in, and I, I, I definitely pick up on that. What that I didn't so get sad. was that some people were really quite like, Emotional. like it took a bit of a toll on a couple of people I was talking to, and I thought that was. Interest, as I sort of mentioned when I was doing the Q and A, I think that a lot of it could be your sort of headspace as to, mm. you know, where you are in your life, in your relationships. If there's a relationship that ended, it might be a bit of um, Julia Potts stuff. Yeah, a little bit. It's that um, kind of, I don't know. It's not the line work, but it's just like the surrealness of it and the sort of strange world. I suppose it also kind of reminded me a little bit of the Planets, the Andy Martin film, which was. A goofier film, for lack of a better oh, yeah, term. Yeah, but yeah. do you remember that? Like there was that one planet that was just like these weird plants that would like you know these sort of meteorites would rain down and these plants would grow these sort of alien plants. I remember that I can visualize one of the images of that happening, but I yeah. can't remember the planet very well. I always just remember the one with the sheep who were like, "I'm eating some grass." <laughs> Walked around a bit, ate some grass. But Love definitely is a, a great example of a film that uses animation very sort of well to do something I think that a live action film just sort of really couldn't as far as like conveying in a sort of poetic way almost conveying these very sort of nice lovely concepts while being you know not explicitly sexual. Yeah. Whereas I think something like as um will come up sort of fleetingly there's a whole other culture that when you make a film that deals with sexual themes, you're probably going to come up against the sort of more porn-oriented world, things like hentai, and uh, some rather interesting festivals that we're going to be hearing about. Oh, yeah. I do feel that some films that kind of are just explicitly about sex can be lacking in enough substance that you don't actually get anything from them as films, and there isn't anything sort of of additional value. And those aren't really the sort of films that I think have any particular interest in. I think it's like... For me, I think that's sort of the case with any sort of like genre type film. Like if it's a love story or if it's a, if it's like a sci-fi or a gangster film or like a Western or something like that. Like if it's something that belongs to a very specific category of film, it's very rare that that category alone will make it watchable. Like it usually has to be a little bit nuanced in some area or other. So I wouldn't consider myself a fan of Westerns, for example, but I really like Deadwood. I wouldn't consider myself a fan explicitly of gangster culture or like police shows, but I really liked The Sopranos and The Shield because they were shows that were a little bit more about humanity than just a genre that kind of, you know, rides along in its own coattails. I absolutely think that extends to eroticism or romance or anything that deals with that kind of thing. There has to be something else to it for it to be, I guess, sort of a worthwhile watch. Mm-hmm. And with animation, sometimes that's just the artistry behind it. Yeah. We had a uh, a themed screening here in Bristol a couple of years ago. We called it Love, Lust, and Libido. And the opening film for that was a film called Yeah, Just There. And um, that was by Grant Orchard, who has since brought the world Hey Dougie, one of the most beloved uh, children's preschool shows that's doing the rounds at the moment. In a not 100% dissimilar style very Bezier curve-oriented kind of graphic design style. Um, he had made this abstract film called Yeah, Just There. It's not like directly sexual imagery, but it's very suggestive imagery and very suggestive timing 
And of course, with the music and the sound and everything like that, it really paints this overall picture. Uh, it's a lovely little film. It's very, very short. And you can probably find it online, I'm sure. That's an example of a film that, okay, it's not telling some great love story. It's not, you know, rewriting the rules of how one depicts, you know, romantic entanglement on film. But it's using some very, very well-timed and well-composed and well-arranged animation ideas to something that's a very entertaining visual, I thought. Yeah, it's, it's a really lovely film. It's very graphic in, like, in style, not in, like, oh, God, no, kind of ways. Yeah, it was almost like, oh, is that a... Oh, no, it isn't really, you know. Yeah. I mean, some things are like, oh, well, that's that really is like a tongue, you know. Like, that's yeah. as explicit, I think, as it gets. But, yeah. you know, it's just like... They could just as easily be something else as far as how abstract the shapes are. But Oh, yeah, if you had it without the sounds, you'd just be like, oh, that's a lot of weirdly pink things. Oh, yeah, the, the sound really kind of brings it along, which, again, is another really great component of this film we're, we're focusing on this episode, Ivan's Need. That attention to detail, that loving care that's, uh, that's gone into the sound mix, which is, uh, which is also something I'll talk a little bit about. So why don't we hear from Veronica El Montano and Manuela Leuenberger, Two of the filmmakers behind Ivan's Need. Who are also two of the most lovely people I've ever met. They're so adorable, is that? <laughs> like, just really happy and giggly all the time. Very, very affable, very, um, very open and interesting to talk to. I'm glad we got some extra time with them. So here's Veronica and Manuela. I'm Manuela Leuenberger. Um, how I got into animation was I did like a preparation year for uni like an art preparation school and then um, I wanted to study illustration and we did have little tasks but they always turned out to be before and after images so I just started to animate them <laughs> like no one could really help me so I did really like simple kind of animation yeah. Well I'm Veronica, Veronica El Montano and I studied 2D animation at the CERN school in Switzerland. And I'm more like a designer than an animator. I love animation. And I think I got to it because I, when I think about stories, they always include movement. And I need the movement to tell stories. So I guess that's why I went for animation. Once you were both at school, how did you sort of come to work together on this? Really love with our class. We were like a family, or we still are like a family, and we worked a lot together and talked about our, our ideas, and I talked to you about uh, my idea, and I kind of like, how do you say it? I like, <laughs> put that idea in your head. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, we didn't want to work alone. We thought that a group would be better and stronger also, and we could do more. And yeah, that's, that's, I guess, how we ended up. Yeah, it's like in the class we try to organize each other and like yeah, kind of finding out if you, yeah, if you want to work by yourself or in a group. And I just really like the idea of animating though, and the story, of course. Like, yeah. So this idea, was this essentially the idea that was Ivan's need, or was this a earlier project? I had like the basic of the idea, like we had, I didn't have an ending, but I was like, I knew it wanted, I wanted to be sensual, 
and I had the idea of a baker needing go and finding that in a woman's breast. And that's it. The rest we did together. So, do you know where that initial idea came from? Like, does that have a certain origin at all? I thought about it last time when it had like two, it's a combination of two things, I guess. And I like wearing, I love wearing scarves. And I always thought it would be nice if they were made of body parts because if you body and body touches, that would be nice. It's a nice feeling. And like the nearest thing that I could imagine with a breast, if I could protect it. <laughs> That's one part. And the other was like, I always thought like, if you see those dancers, Woman dance with the snakes around the neck. That looks really essential. And I thought if that would be made out of breast, if that we all, I was interested in that picture if it would look also um, sensual and sexual. If you make it out of breast, not out of a snake. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was the start of life. So Lucas as well, who isn't here, but he was involved. What was his role in the film? Well, first of all, he was like our... Um, uh, you have a saying in, in German, Stein in the Brand. He's like the, the rock. <laughs> like, yeah, he kept it all together somehow. <laughs> yeah. Because we are all like, we are both a bit loud and... Yeah. <laughs> and he kept his call, he was the balance. <laughs> yeah. <I guess. laughs> and yeah, he animated on that on IBC too. And me and him, we shared the animation. And he was also a bit like the logical part of all of them. He was always trying to make it make sense, or make sense into the mm -hmm. story. So, yeah. Did you have to like pitch the film to your tutors in order to get it made? And what was that like? Yes. <laughs> oh god. That was funny. <laughs> I can imagine pitching it to my tutors and then being like, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there would only be so many projects that would get the whole sound design offered by the school. And then, yeah, we had to kind of pitch our stories also to connect to a bit the real life outside of school, like being able to present your project and then yeah so we would pitch it and then they would tell us what they thought of it <laughs> and yeah we had we had a bit of everything most of the tutors trusted in us that we could do it and thought the idea was really funny but then also we had another reaction where they were like if you're brave you would Go. I suggest you should go for a new story. <laughs> but yeah, I guess we were brave and uh, sticking to our initial story. <laughs> well, like yeah, but of course when we pitched it, the ending wasn't quite there yet, and we had vague ideas what we wanted the ending to feel like, but we didn't really have. It just wasn't the right thing yet, and maybe. <laughs> Yeah, That's maybe the problem he had with it. The thing is, it was all about the feeling and like to get that to other people. It might, it's, it's difficult. It was difficult for us because it was our first pitch, and then and yeah, I'm not good at that, like selling. Uh, hey, that's a great story. You need to trust us. Great. Yeah, we're both not yeah, really good. And Lucas also is not like. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. 
So the only thing we got to sell was like, yeah, this will be so amazing, like all the, all the soft and throwy and all the <laughs> central and like, yeah, just how we liked our own idea maybe helped us to go through critics as well, I think. <laughs> Where are other students? think about it. I think they they all liked it. No, I I guess we had all yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were all behind us and that. <laughs> we did like a pre-pitch with like just the class together and yeah, they all liked the story so mm. I guess we yeah, there we got also a bit um, like um, confidence, confidence maybe that yeah. it could work. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, had the design style already been determined, or was that developed later on? Well, it was developed, but um, I had some drawings already. Well, we knew roughly maybe the style of the characters, and then, and but then the digital style. I think that was just happened in the process later on. I think. Yeah, we knew that we wanted to be really colorful and loud. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. also digital because we're doing it all on the Cintiq. So we want it to look to be digital but also central. Mm -hmm. like kind of idea, prove yeah. a point that you can do a central story with just yeah, working on a computer. Mm -hmm. how, did, uh, how did you determine the colour palette? Because normally if you're going to do a sex film it's quite vivid. And if you're going to do baking you think it'd be more like Brown. I know there is brown in it, but like, and you went for a more pasty bit. I think there was, like, I was in a phase that I draw a little bit of, I normally draw with a lot of colors, and yeah, I, mean, I had one character that I really liked, and it was really brightful and loud, and that's, and then I went just in this direction, and I tried a lot of things out, I did it a color script, and yeah. It was really hard because the colors are so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is so yeah. difficult. <laughs> yeah, but it worked out somehow, I guess. Yeah. If it had gone more like down the naturalist, like flesh colors, I feel like that would have been a bit creepy. That was never, we never even thought of no. doing that. It was always going to be very colorful yeah. and, yeah. yeah, bit, yeah, loud colors. <laughs> I think it's it's not my style to be too realistic with colors. That's, yeah. So you start off with the uh, the idea that I guess was sort of consistent with that very first sort of thought of the bread and the scarlet and everything, and then the sort of final sequence, the sort of you know interior sequence, for lack of a better word, and that ultimately that last shot and that kind of thing. When you finally sort of came upon that, can you remember sort of what it was that brought that about, or? It was funny because. We had a lot of endings, that, but they always um, went like even um, run away when Alba's breast turned into bread. Mm. And we had that night. We, we were it was 10, 11 o'clock, and <laughs> we got in this state that we were like a bit crazy. We get crazy and we <laughs> didn't sleep. And we did that ping pong thing. And at some point we got like, why don't we get inside and not outside of the story? And I, <laughs> what if he doesn't run away? What yeah. If <laughs> and we had that picture in front of us, like he was looking at her with the sad eyes. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's all I want to What would it be called? It's It's probably my favourite moment is that sort of treasures where she just like pushes the head down. <laughs> oh, that was also a thing. In the beginning there were hands coming out of her vagina and taking the But then we couldn't storyboard that. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just, it looks so weird. <laughs> it's like a leg and there's a hand coming out of it. <laughs> The Adams family. It's like Nightmare on Elm Street, the water. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like horror film, just the last five seconds of the film. This is actually, we were talking about this this morning about um, our sort of interpretations of it, and that moment when her, the breasts do turn into like baked bread. And I, I was sort of, that was the bit that I guess maybe as a guy. I wasn't 100% sure on what that symbolized. I got the disappointment, but that sort of, when it starts being dough and becomes like hard baked bread, like what was that representative of? I mean, you had a pretty good theory about it, but. Can we hear your theory? <laughs> yeah, I assume it was um, like during foreplay, there will become a point where like certain erogenous zones stop working a little bit. So, like, if someone's just going for the neck all the time, you're like, it's gone now move on to somewhere else so it was her going like okay the breasts are aroused down you go um, <laughs> no <laughs> i think it was a bit taking the climax away from the male oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah so she had the climax <laughs> or like yeah yeah and it was also like um we always thought he, need, he needs to find like the internal dough like the internal feeling of that and we didn't want that he finds that in sex before, like it would be nice if he finds it in some something more deeply, more, more important. Like that, that sex is a part of it, but yeah, it's not. But it's not, it's not all of it, like, you need uh, yeah. something more. But yeah, we always had that kind of, that structure that we're thinking about, yeah, what, what structure our film would be and we were very clear about that from pretty much from the beginning that it would be kind of yeah go to like that climax and then but there would be some disappointment then like he thought he found what he was looking for but then yeah he kind of gets disappointed and then what he finds next is even better kind of I think that was like the structural thing I do remember I think I'm pretty sure it was you guys during the click Q&A's and I think mentioned that one of the first festivals I got into was like a porn festival or like one Yes! Of... <laughs> <laughs> oh well, there was something. <laughs> yeah. Did you go? I went to Zurich to the porn days and you went to porn to the one in London <laughs> that was like an underground alternative porn event. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> you told me the party after was pretty intense. Well, we, we, <laughs> no, we, we just decided to go on the train, just like for money reasons, but I, we probably missed the massive orgy, I don't know. <laughs> they had some whirlpools. Yeah, yeah, there. a whirlpool. It was like in a, in a shared house in, in the peanut factory in London. I don't know oh, if you right. know that okay. area. Wow. It's that East London. I think. I think yeah, it's like it's very close to the Olympic Stadium. 
Okay. Oh, then. And then they have like this old, yeah, the peanut factory it's called, and they have like, there was a shared house in there, and that's where the horny peanut Did event you know your happened. Arm? No, I went with my boyfriend. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then there were like quite cool alternative porn films. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, I mean, I, I, as much as it's a component of the film, I don't think the the first word that one would think of is pornographic, or even sort of titillation. It's more about the sort of symbolism. I felt, yeah. but it's quite—it yeah. is quite sensual. Certainly, mm-hmm. that's an element that, of it that's very, you know, at the foreground. I mean, did, were these other kinds of films similar in that sense, or were they more directly kind of? Um, the other films—I don't know what they were in Zurich, but they—they they were just not. I guess what you would say, a normal porn would be like. They are just quite a different take on it. Like one film was. Some dancers, <laughs> yeah, and it was like they they were um, stripping and they kind of um, cut these um, dancers together while they were taking off their clothes, and then at the end it ended in the windmill. <laughs> like you know, quite quite funny, but also quite beautiful in the end. Yeah, and then there was one where just um, a girl made that film and. She was just licking uh, a crack in the pavement. <laughs> really, really close up, you would just see the tongue going in the crack. Like that sort of thing, you know? <laughs> and also she, she did another one as well where she put fruit in other fruit, for example. I think there was an orange and she put um, a grape into the orange and that would be very sexual somehow. I've seen that one. That one does sound familiar. When yeah. it was a mix, like yeah. we had some really light ones, like ours was like the funny mm. kind of um, film. There was one, there was a family talking about sex, and there were some hardcore ones like gay porn. Now, uh, oh. the penis was so big, and I was like, oh my god, it doesn't have. <laughs> it was, yeah. Oh, there was also one in in the <coughs> porn and peanut, and um, that was just basically a guide to uh, vagina fisting. <laughs> oh, you told me about that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how did it go? That was probably pretty classical. It's just two les- lesbians <laughs> and a little bit, maybe a little bit of story, but very like expla- explaining uh-huh. how to do it right. How to without hurting each other <laughs> and you can always always stop if it's too much and then start again and i think they also had like a, a, a silent porn with live music but that was we left before that so that was the kind of setting that Ivan Sneed was in. Mm. Yeah. And other sort of more like traditional kinds of festivals, how have you found the general range of audience response being? It was always quite good, I guess. Yeah, there's always people laughing. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes if it's a different country, the people laugh at other parts. Like mm. in Holland, they laughed a lot about the, um, the dough turning into bread when they got the idea of it. Right. Um, 
Yeah, they love the very weird spots yeah. actually in, in the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> I show, we, our school does these things like we do presentations in schools, like making, um, yeah, to get to know the school and stuff. And <laughs> we showed the film to like 12 year olds. <laughs> uh, and I told them it's going to be erotic and I'm not sure if it fits and the teacher was like, ah, I teach them biology, it's okay, don't worry. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, the face of those boys. <laughs> what wonders that <laughs> yeah. But I guess ANSI was pretty cool. Yeah, because yeah. the audience in ANSI is just so amazing, so mm -hmm. the reaction was really nice. I, I do have to say, it definitely captures something of pre-adolescence from a, a guy's perspective. One of the elements I think that sells that the most is uh, like the sound as well, like and how sort of you know well done the sound makes it. And were you guys sort of heavily involved in that side of things? The sound. Yeah. Well, we asked um, Etienne Compi, he was in the second year when we were in the third, and he did the sound design for us. But we were also, uh, and also our teacher Thomas Gassman, he's brilliant, and we were always like sitting down, talking about the sound, hearing it, and yeah. And Etienne was, <laughs> we had to pitch a lock, but and after that, it, then you fix like the sound and you won't like move the cut. But then afterwards, we had to do some cuts. And Etienne was so, <laughs> so great because he always like, oh, everything for the film, everything for the film. Oh, okay. yeah. So yeah, he did a really great work. But I guess the sound, do you mean like the skin noises also? Or like just, or the voice of the boys? Yeah, the, the vocal performance is great. Like, yeah, um, Freddie. Yeah. And did you direct him? Like um, specifically, or did he just give you a bunch of noises? Well, we, we were like, Hey Freddie, what do you think he should sound like? <laughs> and then he did like some weird noises, like so. Uh. <laughs> we were like, yes, you nailed it. You're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna do him. But actually, we had an actor to do that before. Did we? Before oh yeah, we were. Remember? I think no, we got Freddie before that, and then someone said, oh maybe you want to consider try. this actor. Yeah. Um, and then we just decided to stick with Freddie because he was he was kind of sitting in the same booth as us where we worked so he I think he just knew very well what we wanted and he, he's done voices before so and he knows us and yeah so yeah and he has this this his voice sounds young and like the other um, yeah. that actor was like he, he sounded 40, too 50, old yeah, he sounded, yeah, he yeah, it's just old yeah and he knew that we wanted that Japanese thing in the voices too so oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and then the <laughs> voice of the woman she was that was so good she, she um, is the singer of the musician oh. duo that oh, made okay. music and yeah and she made that, of, like in two hours yeah yeah that was <laughs> and we just kind of wanted the sounds also not to be classical like like typical porn? Porn sounds. Yeah. We wanted them to be a bit also funny and a bit weird. So we would ask her to do some high pitch and some low pitch and then to go up and down with her voice. And I think. And she could do that everything. It sounds something a lot yeah, to. Yeah, totally. Just to make the sounds more classical. Mm. So we'd ask us to chat a bit about 
your thoughts in general about like the marriage of more adult or sexual themes with animation? I mean, have you seen other films that kind of deal with this sort of subject matter? There's this hentai. Of well, course, like, <laughs> but we didn't. We always knew we don't want to go like in this, like mm. this porn section. But there, there is a lot actually. Like we, we were very like inspired about uh, the Yoriko Mitsushiri. She did futon. Oh yeah. yeah. And that was the kind of sensuality we wanted, like really slow also. But, yeah. And the train thing, that's really fun from the train. Yeah. When we listened to that podcast, we were like, yeah, we always completely forgot that she was an inspiration for us as well. <laughs> <laughs> the funny, cute, a cute character, so it's a bit innocent also. Yeah. He, can do anything yeah. just because he's so cute. Yeah, you feel that helps sell it maybe as like a as a film, like an element of that innocence with the animation. Yes, I think. I think because with Ivan as a character, because he's a young character and he's sort of on that cusp, you know, of adolescent. Yeah. And maybe if the character had been a little bit older or on the other side of like puberty, it wouldn't have been as endearing. Perhaps I'm not sure, but just as, just because there was a sort of childlike wonder mm-hmm. to the character, it felt very charming. I think this was than... a discovery film rather than yeah. like yeah. if it had been the other side, you'd just feel a bit sad for him. Like he's discovering sex as like 25. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. You know, when it becomes like the, that actual sort of young teenage boy pursuit, very one sort of you know one track minded pursuit of sexual gratification, which is. A kind of done to death in like comedy in general, but also it's a very different kind of like humor, I suppose. And the the conquest, I suppose, is more very specific. And but yeah, I think certainly also like again, moving beyond the initial thing of physicality of it, and then moving into something deeper, kind of brings it all in. Maybe it makes you accept that weird thought better. Like if mm. um, we got reactions of um, of people that people like. Oh, it was. I felt weird that it was sexy, and but I liked it, and maybe that's it because even is cute. It is like some point cute and sensual, and it's all wrapped up in this weird kind of thought that we have. Um, it makes accept you that idea better. Hmm. It's it's kind of difficult because for us it always was really natural, and for like makes yeah, sense we, to Yeah, but we wanted it to be natural yeah. like sex as a natural thing yeah so we needed kind of yeah an honest innocent character but we were not okay let's make him really honest yeah. and innocent it's, yeah it's just how it came together yeah we had him a bit we, in the beginning it, he, he was, was a creeper he was a and creeper. yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> eventually it sort of adapted turned into a teenage boy yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, as the story was developing, the character did too, and yeah, and yeah. at some point he was pretty young and mm. cute. Just <laughs> discovering, yeah. yeah. Because we knew like this inno- innocence and like, this neugier. Uh, curiosity? Yeah, that was really important to us. And that's why he turned out like that. And that he's just, he has no other intentions except he's just going for what he sees and he just wants to touch what he sees pretty much like a two-year-old maybe like yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, what is this yeah. I want to touch it 
Well, so it's been out there for a while now, at least a year, I think, at this point, right? Yeah. Maybe a year. yeah. So you've been going to various sort of festivals with it and stuff. Since you've graduated, what else have you been up to sort of outside of promoting the film? Are you still sort of actively in animation? Well, I started to do the masters in Lucerne uh-huh. and in film, and I'm going to with a colleague that also is really into stop motion, and we decided to do um, like a seven minutes film now, and we are pretty lucky because we got the funding together for the film, and you're coming back to work for us, and yeah, <laughs> and Lucas too, so that's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm at the moment. Having a break, <laughs> no, not really. But yeah, I'm doing cupcakes. When you say doing cupcakes, I make. Like <laughs> I work in a bakery at the moment. Yeah, but well, that's rather yeah. apropos. <laughs> <laughs> Did you include the film in your CV? <laughs> you no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you'll be working together again. Yeah, you? we already have couple of projects that we might want to do very soon. <laughs> that was Veronica Montano and Manuela Leuenberger talking about Ivan's Need at the Encounters Festival last week. You can find them online at manuelaluenberger.tumblr.com and veromontano.tumblr.com. And for more on the film, visit facebook.com slash Ivansneed. I'm very excited to see Veronica's new film. I think it's always great when you, you're talking to people about something that they've done and then you, they, you know they're already moving on to the next thing, you know, because I think that there's a lot, of, um, a lot of people who maybe kind of like they'll make that, that great film and then... That's it. Yeah. I think you can tell when someone's a director or someone is a filmmaker at heart when they're like, as soon as they're done with one, they're like, all right, next. Yeah. It's a very good quality in someone, I think. I think that wraps up another episode of Intimate Animation. So thank you again to Veronica and Manuela. And in absentia, Lucas Suter, who uh, did a very good job as well. And I think that also kind of puts the uh, the cap on what's been a long week of Encounters Film Festival coverage, because it was kind of an extension, I suppose, of that, beginning with the uh, last episode of Intimate Animation with Anna's film and uh, all the filmmaker Q&As we did over the last week or so. And now this one. Very, very fun time at Encounters. I think uh, we, we're ready to move on now. But you can check out all of the Q&As if you missed them up on Squiggly. There's a nice handy playlist that groups all of them together over on our SoundCloud account as well. And you can read more about the Encounters Festival over on squiggly.com. We also have an overview of this year's Ottawa International Animation Festival, uh, which celebrated its 40th edition this year. And it looks like it was a spectacular event. And there's also some news regarding the Manchester Animation Festival, which has just announced its 2016 program that'll take place from the 15th to the 17th of November. There's lots of really interesting events, and we will be there. So uh, something else to look forward to as regards the whole animation festival world. On that note, actually, I got wind of another animation festival that's taking place in London starting tomorrow, if you're hearing this the day it goes out, on September the 30th. If you visit faffus, F-A-F-F-U-S-S dot com, it's the Factual Animation Film Fuss, and it's a festival all about animated documentaries, and there's some really, really good films from the looks of the uh, website here 
Definitely worth checking out, dealing with all sorts of themes with some really, really great guests as well. Seems like a really, really cool event, so I just wanted to give those guys a shout-out. And back to my own longest-standing tradition of self-promotion. If anyone out there is in Switzerland, my latest film, Clemen Throw, is continuing its uh, tour of the country as part of the Nuit de Corps Métrage tour, or the Short Film Nights tour. There'll be two simultaneous screenings in Everton at the Bel Air Cinema and Scion at the Cinema Arlequin. Both of those kick off at 8pm and you can visit nuitducor.ch for more info on that, should you be near any of those. If you happen to be in Germany, a couple days later it'll be screening as part of the 13th Film Fest Eberswalde in the Animation Film 1 screening that's on Sunday the 2nd of October at 4pm. More info for that one at filmfest-eberswalde.de. And finally, my book, Independent Animation, Developing, Producing, and Distributing Your Animated Films, does indeed appear to be out. People do actually own copies. I've seen photographic proof. So it wasn't a lie. It exists. You can order it from crcpress.com and all good book retailers. It's my little love letter to independent animation in all its forms, and hopefully it'll get some people inspired to make some work of their own. We're going to be putting up some supplemental material over on Squiggly in the coming months, so keep your eyes open for that. In the meantime, we'll be back next week with our regular Squiggly podcast. Keep your eyes on the site for all the usual features, reviews, news, interviews, all that good stuff. Also, facebook.com slash squigglymagazine. Give us a like, why don't you? And twitter.com slash squiggly. Also, if you want to follow me, I'm at Ben L. Mitchell, and Laura is at LB Cowley. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Laura Beth, for joining me. Thank you, Ben. Thank you all, and I'll see you next episode.